Hello and welcome to Fragments of the Soul with me, Katie Fishlock. Joining me today, I have professional plasticine player, Jim Parkin, and we will be discussing play. Hey, Jim. <laughs> You're already making me laugh. I'm just listening to my dog thundering up the stairs. He's decided to not settle. Um, Lovely. I'll try and keep him quiet. (laughs) This is going to be a wild chat, and I'm so, so happy that people are going to get to meet you and hear your hear your voice and know more about you. Um, I've I've also, as we were talking before we pressed live. Jim and I, I don't think you and I have ever had a conversation where it's kept on track and on time. And as someone who who is new to hosting and interviewing on podcasts, Jim, you are my ultimate challenge. You are my ultimate challenge. Wow. There we go. I'm your (laughs) case (laughs) too. Bear in mind that the conversation we had last week in preparation for this, within three minutes, you started showing me your beans. So... Oh yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> for, those, beans, yeah. for those who are already lost and wondering what the hell is going on, if you hold out until the very end, you can contact Jim and ask, fill his DM box with, "Tell me how to make hummus that is better than the shop stuff." So, wait until the end, and then you can contact him. He will tell you. He'll give you all the secrets. All the secrets. Jim, quickly, we're already di- digressing quickly. Can you just let us know who you are and what you do and what you're all about? Yeah, that's great. I like that intro. It's great. Um, but yes, it makes me sound like a kind of uh, hummus maestro. Um, <laughs> but um, that's only a small part of what I think. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I um, it's going terribly well. Um, I suppose, uh, yeah, you call me a professional plasticine player. Um, there's some that would know me as um, Ardman Animations' Jim Parkin, the friendly fairy face of Ardman. Um, there are pe- some people who know me as Senor Jim in uh, in Mexico. I'm big in big in South America, um, and yeah, I am a puppet maker, a model maker, a sculptor, print maker, and all sorts. I'm a portfolio portfolio Parkin, I suppose is what they call me. <laughs> there's too many gems you've just listed there, and. I'm holding back. <laughs> I'm holding back so much from asking and diving deeper into the senior parking, but I'm not. We would digress too hard. And why you are so famous in South America? So it's just I don't. I'm not going to go there because what we're going to talk about today is the theme is play, and it's all about play today. And um, I have been recently playing around with AI, and I've got AI open next door to me who I'm using to keep us on track because we're going to need everything we could possibly we need lifeboats for this conversation to keep us on track so I have some AI questions here and um I'm gonna I'm just gonna go in with one of those to start with because they were pretty good weren't they you ready we're gonna start I'm, with this and then I'm, it's just I'm gonna, ready. Uh, yes and yeah. well, then we're just I'm gonna frightened. go what you frightened did you say well, I think the artificial intelligence versus, yeah, I don't know. Let's see where let's see where it takes us. Which one are you going to choose? There's some really good ones here. Ooh, can you describe your experience with using plasticine as a tool 
for promoting play in adults. Oh, that is good. That's very worthy, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. What I would say, um, yeah, it does amazing things, modelling play, plasticine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, don't call it Play-Doh. We don't drop the P-bomb in our house. So there are several words <laughs> we don't, don't use. Um, the P-bomb and the H-bomb, and that is Play-Doh and Hoover. We don't use those <laughs> words in our house. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it is the kind of, I would call it, really the gateway drug to creativity I think if I were to ask you and not you personally but many people if I said to them would you draw me a cat draw me a dog or um you know uh, a, a snake and an eye just you know, I, you know just picking something at a random out of my brain not looking at all at the screen in front of me um <laughs> then you know people have a, a fear response there's that um thing that everybody says they're a crap at art and um you know it immediately gives a fear response or a stress response. If I give you plasticine or modeling clay, um, then people, most people have had an experience of it at some point. And because it's supposedly a child's play thing, it doesn't have that, um, that, that thing that it doesn't really matter. There are no consequences to playing with modeling clay. There are for me, but for you less so. And I think people are happy to pick that up and, you know, everybody starts off rolling a worm or a snail or something and it starts very quickly on those kind of basings but immediately almost immediately you get that out of your system and start to create amazing things and um yeah i think that's um that's the the power of uh of modeling clay it, i love that because it's something you you play with as a child and then bringing it back into your adult life kind of you clock into that remember that but for you it's slightly different because you take plasticine to the next level because of what you do professionally so how did you start working with plasticine and taking it to the ultimate level which is some may say is working with Vardman how did that start how did that journey yeah, start um, for you I mean really it was one of those things uh I was uh we weren't had quite strict parents and we weren't really allowed to mix with the uh the other children it was discouraged to mix with the uh the other uh, working class children in our in our neighbourhood. So um, I think, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time watching television and playing computer games and things like that. And, you know, Saturday morning television, um, I was obsessed with cartoons. Television didn't work when I was a kid, really. It was it would always fail. And every break, if there was a gap in the programming, would be filled with cartoons. Now, often that would be Tex Avery stuff or, you know, Looney Tunes or what have you. But sometimes you would end up with weird European plasticine uh, or model animations. And then Saturday morning, going live and live and kicking, Trapdoor. Trapdoor was this amazing mm. thing, you know, um, and I was obsessed with the world of Trapdoor. And uh, yeah, I had the amazing fortune to work with Terry Brain, who created that. And also, people don't know, it's down to Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan funded that. It was a Castle no. Vision television uh, company. And he funded Stop It and Tidy Up. And I think, um, Bump the Elephant and all sorts of really beautiful little children's animations. So it's down to uh, Terry Wogan, which is, um, I think, is absolutely brilliant. But anyway, as an aside, uh, we get off Terry Wogan for the moment. Um, we might come back to him. Um, <laughs> yeah, we might. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, and Creature Comforts were coming on. And I think I'd been 12 or 13 when Wallace and Gromit came out. And they were obviously a, a real inspiration. But back to Morph and things like that and, and Trapdoor, they were things that looked like you could do them yourself. They're on, uh, you know, they look beautifully simple and they really aren't, you know, there's a real art to that. Um, but everybody can now make an episode of Morph with a 
with a phone and a bit of clay you can you can do something approaching that anyway um and it wasn't really till I went to college that um I met other people like me that were a bit more artistic and there were I thought film and television courses were beyond me I didn't have that experience to actually think I'd be able to work someone like me to be able to work in television um so I went into product design and well actually I say product design it was an art and design course at BTEC and I fell in love with printmaking and I fell in love mostly with um with fashion and textiles believe it or not so um I was obsessed with um playing with fabric and it was only my fear of being the only boy in a class of 40 girls I mean what was I thinking um really that that I got so nervous that I bailed and went to the more male world of uh product design and model making so I thought um that's a bit safer and um yeah so fashion's loss really is um I suppose animation's oh. gain and uh yeah so it could have all been so different um yeah so um and and through that I met a tutor who would teach film and television um and he would allow two hours a week on a Wednesday evening for students uh to come and play with cameras so we would do stupid things like strapping up we gaffer taped our mate to the bonnet of a of a mini metro and drove down <laughs> um Osborne airfield runway about well as fast as a metro would go and um, we just literally gaffer taped him to with a camera to the bonnet and drove around doing high speed film stuff and um but we did animation in that and um I was hooked and he was such an enabling guy that he said you know there are degree courses in animation you could study this and um, you've clearly got the patience for it so I thought what else am I going to do let's do that yeah, I I didn't realize that you and I did the, the I did that in college too. That same yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's a great it's uh, for so those good. for those who don't know. It's such a great. Where did you study? Uh, Mid Warwickshire. So I I was uh, brought up in Warwick, and uh, Leamington Spa was the nearest kind of college town. Really, yeah. I I we we studied in different places, but the same course. And the great thing about a BTEC in art and design is you do everything. They, they it's so good you do fashion you do film you do every everything and then in the last year you kind of specialize down a little bit more of what you want to do but it's a great opportunity to spend so much time in different areas of art and design to kind of figure out what you want to do and animation yeah. was was the one for you and I love the fact that you said uh you needed patience you need to be patient enough because even though it's you know, it looks so much fun and it's playful. The level of patience you need is is something else, isn't it? To do well, oddly, <laughs> it's a patience that I don't I don't really have. Um, I think. Talk to um, me about that. Again, it, you know, it's fear of fear of performance. I think really performance anxiety. Um, you know, you are as an animator, you're an actor. And there is a time pressure, you know, if you're making your own films, you can do it in your own sweet time. But professionally, there is a, you know, you have to hit your seconds per day and you have to achieve what your director is asking you to do. Um, and it's very much on your own in a hot, sweaty box with lights. And also, if you're remotely clumsy, which I really am, um, I would say I'm borderline dyspraxic. They used to call me Calamity James when I was a child, because um, <laughs> if you could fall off it, into it, onto it. Oddly, I never, I only broke the very tip of my finger. That's the only bone I ever broke as a child. Oh. I saved it for adulthood afterwards. Um, and again, yeah, um, you yeah, know, that was it. So if you kick a camera or kick some lights, it's a very expensive thing. And I really felt that pressure. 
to not be a clumsy clown. So, um, and also I'm quite sociable for a shy person. I like to joke around and and have that playtime with friends. So model making enables you to see daylight and chat with mates while you're doing stuff. And um, I like that social side of things again. So again, I couldn't take it too seriously. And I suppose that's, again, the play thing in there unwittingly. I, I I am dyspraxic, so it would be an awful, awful thing to me to even entertain going into. It'd be a nightmare. But how do you, I know doing what you do is, can be so incredibly high pressure. What do you do creatively for play now? What is your creative play currently? Um, at the moment, I really love sound. I'm obsessed with sound at the moment. And um, yeah, I like going out with my phone and I have got a little microphone and bits and pieces and I'm trying not to spend too much money so I'm trying to do it on a budget but oh. um, I like to go out and you know sit in a field or, or um, I like recording I'm obsessed with the sound of water water makes like you know infinite amounts of different tones and and gurgles and bubbles and sounds and um, yeah at the moment I don't know what I'm going to do with it but I have this huge sound library of odd noises and things and um I don't know if you're aware of the um, Cosmo Sheldrake. He's got an amazing name. Um, no, no, no. He, Go on. He records sounds from nature and puts them together and synthesizes them to make these amazing soundtracks and and songs. Uh, one of the first tracks I heard of him was about a tardigrade, a song about a tardigrade. And tardigrades are incredible. I've got a couple of little microscopes and I haven't found one yet, but um, but I, I'm obsessed with these little tiny, you know, it's kind of nano life. And um, yeah, he did a brilliant song about tardigrades and all of his albums are about pelicans and animals and fungus. And um, his brother wrote an amazing book. Here we go. I'm getting off topic already. Um, <laughs> um, another show, uh, another Sheldrake. I think Merlin Sheldrake, I'm going to say that might be wrong. You might want to check that. Um, but it's all about the tangled life of mycelium and the mycelium network and, and mushrooms. And uh, mushrooms are another kind of big interest of mine. So oh yeah, mushrooms and sound. <laughs> you ended on mushrooms and sound and i'm i'm now like sitting on the edge of my seat going tell me more about mushroom and sound what is this well, where are you going with this jim what is mushrooms and sounds I, I, what was this a mushroom there sound must be like? something in there <laughs> well this is it this, i'm sure they must make some kind of noise there must What's be that? some kind of um yeah so um yeah i'm not sure i'm not even going to attempt to to do a mushroom impression but, um but you know <laughs> but <laughs> so um but yeah but you know that it's just I'm a, I suppose really I'm a collector I collect things I'm obsessed with uh nature so I collect old bones and um and I'm obsessed with finding mushrooms and fruiting spores and and and, and collecting sound so I just I think I'm a collector I'm a hoarder of all sorts of amazing things I suppose I, I like to think of myself as a kind of latter-day Victorian gent that I like to be something of a generalist but I've got a passion for so many things the world's an amazing place and you know there are so many things to learn and there's so little time I suppose that's probably what it is yeah Jim I just long for the museum that's going to come after you imagine what that, <laughs> imagine what that's going to look like yes you're, you're going to happen you collect too many things and do too many things what would you call it you've, you've well, must have thought this you have thought this I know you've thought this what would you call your um, museum it's gonna have to be, a, I don't know. Yeah, it's a nature palace, 
or something like that. I did find an amazing name, which I've forgotten now. There's um, somewhere up in Glasgow had um, a millionaire uh, industrialist built a zoo, but it had the most um, incredible name. And I'll try and find what it is, but it's a something Ethereum or like an Imaginarium, but it's um, it's just the, the best name ever. And I thought I must use that. But of course, now I'm questioned on it. I've immediately forgotten <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> And here we go. We digress. We digress wonderfully to Mushroom Sounds. What would you name a museum after you died to fill it full of your curiosities? And now I'm going to bring us back to play and I'm going to type into AI and I'm just, it's just popped up another question for me. So I'm just using this. This is, the, this is our lifeboat, Jim. Otherwise we'll be cling talking. To it. I'm, I am clinging. What is your advice for adults who are looking to incorporate more play and create Activity into their lives that's a good one isn't it uh, yes well I think um I is something probably I struggle with um really in that well I think in that I think if your work is more um more I suppose, normal is, is that I don't know if that's the right now a more conventional career um making being able to shut off from that thing being able to leave that at the door yeah, is quite important. Even if you're at home, switching off your computer and doing something else is a, is a really good thing. I tend to we we have a commute walk at home, mm -hmm. so we have the dog, which is a great thing. So we don't have to. During COVID, it felt very much like I call it the um the prison walk, having to do, and it felt like there was a sad procession of people trudging yeah. around in the countryside. You know, the countryside. It was like being on a conveyor belt loop of people doing this circuit because you you were told do that but don't do that and yeah. um yeah it's but having that time away from the house even if it is 10 minutes having that headspace and a change of scene was really important and I think even if you are working from home getting out to do that and then you come back and you go right well I've drawn a line in that now we can do something different and I think that's a really good thing and as I say you know even with with my you know supposedly creative job um it's not always that creative. I'm often creating someone else's vision. So mm -hmm. um, being able to escape into something else, I'm doing a different thing. So I, I like to write, I play with, I'm always writing children's book ideas and things. Nothing's quite fruited yet, but um, there are lots of little concepts. My phone is full of notes and I've got notebooks with me of nonsense ideas or puns. Often it's born <laughs> of a pun or something else, you know, and um, it's having that. So having that escape, but making that clear delineation um between play and work is quite important and sometimes actually I will stop working on one thing say I'm making morphs or um beavers I've been working with the beaver trust to do some stuff um I'll stop making beavers and I might still play with plasticine but do something completely different and change it from a 2d a 3d thing into a 2d thing or um I might even paint with plasticine or modeling clay you know and use that in a different way and that is enough of a a break mentally for me to to do something else wait 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 wait! paint with plasticine what do you mean yeah well you it's a it's a it's got a thousand uses um i could do how would you mean um, paint with wait, plasticine wait. like well, actually paint using plasticine yeah totally um in go, on, fact, go on tell me You'll find it on uh, British Pathé is one of the greatest resources ever. So you, know, you go on YouTube and you'll put in British Pathé uh, plasticine paintings and you will find these uh, lovely old ladies from Harbert's Clay 
uh, in Bathampton, making these very twee like watercolor paintings of country cottages and prancing ponies and bouquets and um, all sorts of quite, I'd say quite naff, 1950s, very kitsch paintings. And they're for the display. And and Harbert had this thing, even back in 1897, he was, um, he, really loved the the vibe of um the quakers you know of the the bournevilles and the cadburys um and the round trees of making he had a vision of making a, a community but um even then it was it was a it was a thing for education but also a thing for artists and also a thing for play and he was keen to explore all these different areas and um it was something I discovered after I'd started playing with it. And I would heat up clay using a hairdryer or put it in the oven and it becomes mm-hmm. almost liquid. So the old clay we used to use, Nuplast, was uh, petroleum jelly based. So mm-hmm. you could warm it up and it become very soft and very tacky. But plastilina or European clays and American clays are oil based. And they're even better for painting with because you can melt them in a saucepan and then you could daub it like thick paint or um, oh, wow. you know, almost thick medium or um you can get very tight with it and treat it much more um in a controlled fashion i was much more of the kind of oil paint and get some texture on there and really not even using tools just using my thumb and finger kind of really gestural marks and um yeah i'm a bit obsessed with with that but they've stopped making the clay that i've used so you know i've lost my medium as well so i'm now learning to use the squidgier clay which isn't as nice, but um, I'm even looking at making my own clay at the moment. So um, going oh back to the origins. Scene. Yeah. I can't so wait that's a new to see one. that. <laughs> <laughs> and do you... There's nothing practicing can't do. Oh, oh, my goodness. I never knew that. Thank you for for explaining that to me. I, I, I wouldn't even have thought about you could do that with plasticine. Oh, my goodness. I, Jim, as long as I've I've known you, you've being like one of the most creative people I know and you know the the listeners who's just listened to you very briefly so far they will probably have a huge aspect of that do you ever do you ever suffer with creative block or do you get creatively stuck and if you do how do you work how do you work through that yeah um I don't think I I don't struggle for ideas um I think that's the curse or um or it's a brilliant thing I'm not entirely sure but um so I'm not much of a completist so I don't often I love learning process but I don't often finish I think I'm not much of a finisher which is something I'm struggling to get much better at in my work life obviously I have to but um there are so many half done projects that have kind of gone well I've learned what I wanted from that and they're not a finished product but I've gone well that satisfied me uh intellectually I'll move on to something else um so I don't really struggle for ideas but again um having people work for you and having them struggle creatively um and some people you know sometimes you just can't get something and it's having that break and it's um I like to have a breakout thing and just have uh either get clay or pencils and paint and have a half hour session of everybody in the room or even if it's just me doodling or doing something completely different or doing a warm-up exercise when I'm doing I'm teaching online a lot and we teach um youths uh teenagers in Scotland 15 to 19 years old how to make films and we have a warm-up thing every day and they're amazing little things that I've learned from my good friend Jack and Alistair and it's one minute warm-up exercises and it can be um 
making a portrait in serial or mm-hmm. um drawing a load of dots and then jo- joining them up to make a you know linear drawing or um, you know anything ridiculous like that um and they really break your brain out of what you're trying to do and you're doing something else and that can then spark ideas as well and we do it on creature comforts if we couldn't get an animal right like a zebra is a very difficult thing to make a character of and one that we've not properly even now we've not really properly um mastered the world of the zebra so um because Why they break up quick... they do... oh the black well, and white they, as in wild yeah and they've got a black ma- uh, mask for a face for a mouth mm-hmm. and the, you know these lines that break up the shape and if you watch something like madagascar even the um the zebra on that is very pale gray big triangles and they're really kept away from the body and away from the face and it's very light gray really in tone so um yeah it's a really difficult thing so we would spend an hour everybody just making trying different zebras and and, and seeing if you could make that work um and having those downtimes and just having that bit of play can be really important to to kind of break you out of that and uh, yeah it's again just a change of mindset and again it doesn't matter there's no consequences and at the end of it I often we might take a photograph of it, but I often like to squash the thing and destroy that thing because it takes some of the um preciousness away um something about i think been thinking about playing with recently with workshops is i learned from a spoon carving group and um when i was in ardman there was a big group of spoon carvers read, led by my friend nigel who's friends with the guy, amazing guy called barn the spoon who um, travelled as an itinerant woodcarver and would spoon carve and make money off that, lived in the woods. woods. He's now based in London, does amazing things. It's on Radio 4 and all sorts. Um, Wait, say, but say have, his name again. Say his name. What is his name? Barn, Barn the Spoon. Um, he's, I think he's Barnaby Calder, I think his name is. He's a massive mountain of a man, um, yeah. but with a shrieking lady laugh, which is quite unnerving from such a big bearded man. But, um, but they do this brilliant thing with spoon carving and you're all given a stick or a piece of wood and you are given five minutes to start carving and then you pass it down the line so you're like a chain gang so mm-hmm. no matter what you've done you could end up with a master spoon carver to your left who gives you this beautiful thing and then you wreck it <laughs> or you can be given you know a terrible piece of wood which has just got blood on it and chips <laughs> of wood and then you are then trying to, to bring it on and then you hand, hand it on to the next person and I think in drawing or in sculpting, there's something probably quite freeing in doing that or maddening. And it's brilliant to watch people who really can't handle that, watch them have nervous breakdowns or watch them get increasingly angry and either work their way through that or, you know, um, you know, or leave, I suppose. But um, but yeah, there's something really great in doing that. And, you know, animation and model making, I'm only part of a process. It doesn't matter if um, I've been given something that I hate uh, or isn't very good, I can improve it and make it better. Then I hand it on to an animator who then may d- destroy it through animation. And um, there's something incredibly freeing about that process that um, it's, you know, it it's not without consequence, but it's never truly yours. You hand it on to someone else and that's, that's fine. And if you enjoy the process of making it, whether it gets burnt in fire or um, fallen on the floor or destroyed for animation, it doesn't really matter. I think... Um, as a final thing on that, one of the favourite things to do is when I've got my my car, is, my van is generally full of old crap, as you know, and um, <laughs> it's usually got blocks of plastic in there. And if I go camping with friends, one of my favourite things to do is make something like a, a morph and teach them how to make a kind of human character and then 
one of the great things is you can make it into something and then you can throw it on the fire. And there's something quite nice about the the pros. They're very flammable because <laughs> they're petrol, petroleum <laughs> jelly based. <laughs> so you can make your, yeah, make an effigy of something and then burn it in the fire is quite a cathartic thing. And again, it's another process. Watching it change in the fire is quite um, quite satisfying as well. Oh, my goodness. You've got, you got the full circle there, haven't you? you just watch that. Yeah. Yeah, the full circle. Absolutely. Going back to what you said way earlier, I, I'm impressed that I'm I remember this and I'm dragging it through because it struck a chord with me too. Just someone with like yourself with so many ideas, we start so many things and we have a problem finish them, finishing them. And just what you've just said then, I think it's because we love the process, and once we've enjoyed the process of learning a new skill or or kind of learning something new or executing an idea. Once we've got our, our kind of feel, then we're done. So it really, I suppose, because like you, I've over the years, I've, I've felt so much guilt about things I've just dropped and ne neglected project-wise and creativity-wise. But you've just speaking now, I just realized, wait, no, wait, it wasn't about the end result. It was just the, the learning and the fun and the process. Yeah. Um, and I've just, yeah. I just feel like I've just dropped a load of guilt with you talking them because I was like, wait, it wasn't, they're not neglected. I just, I was done with them. <laughs> I was just done. Yeah, it you, wasn't you picked about up another tool. Yeah, you picked up another tool, another skill. And uh, being a sculptor and being a model maker, one day I might be knitting with a cocktail stick, making little balaclavas for chickens. Um, you know, and the next day I might be painting with plasticine or I might be raising or silver soldering joints and things together to make a, an armature. Or um, it might be mold making or plaster working, um, and all these things come together. You become a ceramicist, you become a jeweler, you become a textile worker, you're a sculptor, you're a painter, and these are all extra tools to add to your skill base, um, and they're all good for fun things to learn. And as a model, you might just do that. You might copper plate something or silver plate something, and that's the only time you might do that. But you've got that knowledge in there, and it's always sitting there waiting going for a project and going, oh, do you know what? That'd be amazing if I chromed a seagull or I, um, yeah, knitted a, you know, a badger or um, something. Yeah. Um, and and you go, actually, I've got no fear. I've got those skills and I'm not going to be a master craftsman at that. I haven't devoted my life to chroming animals, um, but I might do now. That's brilliant. Um, but um, uh, yeah, but I've got all that in my in my arsenal of skills to to be able to unlock that creativity. Again, you just says, you just said something wonderful is you you don't have that fear then because you've mm. done such a broad range and you've tried so many things and and you know even tried and completed so many things you've got that that bank of skill and through pure curiosity which means then you don't have as much fear which means then you can take on anything and uh and that's probably why you're so full of ideas. <laughs> your, curios your curiosity has led you there. And in order to be curious, you, you kind of don't have as much fear, do you, in, in that sense? No, well, I think so. And I think, you I mean, to really, to, to I suppose, to truly play, I suppose you have to have that curiosity, that, curiosity, yeah. that sense of wonder and that sense mm. of questioning. Because if you're not questioning, then... Then why would you explore that? And you know there are and there are people like that. It's it's very um, it's very 
kind of uh, binary or very you know um, more mechanical and that equals that and that's all I need to know and I've got no more curiosity in that and there are elements of my life that are like that um mm-hmm. you know but um but no you know having infinite curiosity um can be exhausting for you and for those around you um <laughs> and it can also yeah. be life but you know, debilitating you know our house we have to have clear outs gets full of crap you know and um I've got you know things that insult animals of <laughs> insult and things like that are found like on the beach you know and uh bits of seagull or something that I've kind of gone do you know what that's really brilliant in that beautiful state and um so I end up you know with bales of hay and twigs and straw uh from we, we recently did an amazing course in um straw weaving making oh, um, wow. harvest like corn dollies and um and things like that and we did that in the what I call the Hogwarts of craft it's the West Dean College of Art in I think it's in Winchester I'm going to say Winchester and it's this incredible mansion that was built in the late Victorian period up until the 1920s 30s and then was given over to the council and you can go and do uh welding for steel sculpture you can do automata making we did uh so you say straw weaving you can do embroidery um all sorts of incredible things and um it is like if you love craft it's got the salvador dali um sofa the big lips so um he he went there in 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 his time um and it's just incredible but yeah just going there and embracing things and you know it's all open to you it's not a closed door it's um yeah it's just great i think that's you know going to these places and and part of play Again, what you said there, it's curiosity. That's a huge part of play, isn't it? I think that's one of the, mm. the key components, isn't it? Having your curiosity to take you places, uh, both physically and also imaginary, um, to explore yeah, that sense of play. I, I'm not entirely sure that it's broken in me, but there are things that, um, you know, actually I've kind of got back in slight reversion to childhood, but I've got back into computer gaming and things I'd left it for a while and I I um I got myself a an Xbox. But what I do with it, I think, is I don't play it properly, I don't think. I don't f- follow that linear storyline. I tend to do what I used to do is try and explore worlds and then get yourself stuck in a rock, you know, and break <laughs> the world and find yourself stuck in a crevice. Like in Tomb Raider, you were often trying to stick oh, Lara Croft goodness. into a and then and then see through to the back of the world and not be able to get out again and have to restart the game. And um I spend my time doing that. Um, you know, exploring even virtual worlds, just kind of delving around in places you shouldn't and trying to get onto things, you know, you probably shouldn't <laughs> and hurling yourself off cliffs to see if you can reach things just because you, you know, it's a brilliant, no consequence thing. And I think that's brilliant. You know, and I love that. Um, exploring a world that someone's created to the max and breaking it is quite fun as well. Oh, I so many things I could say to that, but I'm not. I'm not. I think, I, I think... One of the things I picked up just then is that the joy of play is that there tends to be no consequence, isn't there? That's part of the joy of it. And I think getting so. backed up in play. Yeah. I think my I, I find my, my entire life is is ridden with guilt. Every almost you know, I I don't hate going to bed, but those moments of going to bed uh and waking up in the night, you know, I'm full of guilt and and uh and you know um you know, shame at having not not finished something or not having done something or not being skilled enough in something, those dark moments. And I think um, what I love about the play, like you said, there isn't, you know, life is full of consequences. If I go out in the car today and I hit someone, 
then you know then that's that's potentially game over but um in play you know if if you ruin a piece of work it doesn't matter there's still another piece of paper there's still another piece of clay for you to to have a go with you know you might poison yourself that's the consequences if you use dangerous materials and i spend a lot of time playing with you know toxic things as well the best art materials tend to be the ones that will kill you you know um or the old magic markers just... that were petrol based and oh, you know yeah, we'd be using light fluid and mixing it you know and you'd end up completely off your chops from the vapors you know um mm. but they, they created such brilliant things and unfortunately a lot of the more supposedly world safe and and nature friendly uh items aren't as good so petrochemicals are brilliant sometimes for creating amazing art <laughs> I remember those uh, magic marker pens uh, because when I went, oh, oh my God, when one of my work experiences at school was in the graphic, graphic department of, an, of the local newspaper and they had those pens because they did a lot of things by hand then. And mm. oh my God. So for people that don't know, the pens are the ones where you would sort of draw and paint with and they wouldn't leave lines. So it looked like yeah. the thing was printed. Well, the ones in, in the graphics department, because I, I did work experience in the graphic designers. Um, my mum was a cleaner, actually, at the at these little tiny graphic designers. Um, and that's how she got me this work experience. And I would, uh, you know, mock up uh, company headers and all sorts of stuff. But there were little glass jars. The best ones were the little glass jars with the huge felt inside it as the, oh, the yeah, kind of capillary. And you could literally unscrew the top of them with the, with the felt tip on it, take that off and take the take the wad of felt out and then use that in um yeah actually he's ruined it somebody's ruined again rolf harris-esque <laughs> fashion and getting there tony hart it if you like it's a much more family friendly version you know and yes. get very gesture and block these things out and you know your fingers would be all sorts of different colors and yeah but yeah they were hugely freeing using them in the wrong way i suppose actually really not for the the yeah the, the method they were necessarily meant for was was great um, but yeah, they, and and it and you would just li- yeah literally end up high from the fumes oh, of these. <laughs> they were great. I got to say, I I do thank my BTEC for the fact that a lot of um, you know when you when you go down the art school route, a huge part of not so much your training, but they did a lot of using materials in ways that they're not supposed to be used that was an exercise that always seemed to crop up it was like right you need to use this medium or this thing in a way that it shouldn't be used in order to create a mark or image and as an adult i so thank i'm so thankful for that because there's been so many things in my adult lives that is have been non-creative where that process and that exercise has cropped up. I was like, what about if we did this this way? I know it's not supposed to be done this way, or this isn't supposed Mm. to do this, but I bet it could. And doing something like that exercise that you said with the marker pens and taking it out and you know you shouldn't be doing it. It's those things that kind of get you thinking creatively, makes you more curious and get and gets you playing. Because that's when they're like the stuff comes huh do you remember those yeah, totally I think, um yeah the beta i think i'd recommend anybody with kids I, you know my school our uh, a-level art was was terrible mm, um yeah. it was very tight very conformist it was all 3d perspective drawing and people would draw the quadrangle or a corridor and do a watercolor of it 
Oh my god! One yeah. Maverick did it. Yeah, and and that was art, you know. And and Amazon, somebody, a Maverick did a Amazon tree frog, like an A two size picture, and people talked about it for years, like it was like some kind of heretic thing, and it was wildly avant garde. And you're like, it's just a painting of a frog, but so being being very compliant, I suddenly realised I didn't want to give two years of my life to doing only partly art and having to do some other subjects I didn't want to be involved with. So it's incredibly freeing. Um, and back, back on what you're saying, using tools wrongly or not mm. wrongly in, in a different fashion. Um, there's an amazing book where I found it very useful by um, Adam Savage, you know, of Mythbusters. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. yeah. Um, well, he was, you know, a model maker and they worked on uh, Star Wars films and you know, special effects and the Mythbusters program was brilliant anyway. But his book is called uh, Any, uh, Any... I don't know what's it called. Any tool can be a hammer, I think it's called. And it is, you can use things in completely the wrong fashion. And I had this brilliant vision the other day, I was saying to, to Leah, my wife, about it. Um, I just had a vision of, you know, some carpenter just smashing laptops onto a nail and getting through thousands of laptops just to bang nails in into a roof. And I thought it was such a great image of just a of laptops. And just, and it is though, any... Any, any tool can be a hammer and you can use it in any way you wish. It's just whether you've got the, uh, the budget to get through all those laptops to uh, to, to build a house. <laughs> it just like, that just reminded me of the KLF burning a, a million pounds. Just yeah. Their art project. Um, totally. Just had that image fly into my head then. Uh, <laughs> I think that's great. I think it's I think it's really wonderful for people to hear that, you know, just to start kind of looking looking at objects and things a little differently. And we've been very, very lucky to have been able to experience that from from college and school and being put in those environments to play being I suppose we got asked to play, didn't we? Professionally, we got asked to play in order to create and think up new ideas. And I know not everyone has that opportunity. Not not many people do. And so yeah. they reach their adult life um, wondering how to bring creativity. Because everyone's creative. Everyone's creative. And just wondering how to bring creativity back into their lives and, and get an understanding of that and what that can look like. Because it can look like painting with plasticine. <laughs> Or it could look like, you know, um, wood spoon carving. It can look like anything. And I think that's sometimes we have such a rigid creativity looks like this, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, a large part of my job at the moment um, is less in the studio making film um, and actually more outreach work. So I find myself traveling the country. I just come back from I had two gigs this weekend. I was in the M shed in Bristol with uh, University of Bath, teaching their gold scholar students to get a, a grant every year to do kind of be ambassadors and help um, students as well. And it unlocks creativity. Uh, doing a course with them in uh, in making characters. But also, uh, then I was in the, the North, Royal Northern uh, College of Music, grommet making and watching a, a you know live orchestral performance of Wrong Trousers. Um, and then last week I was with 87 um quantum physicists teaching them and we you know we were evoking emotions through the medium grommet and then getting them to make their own morph type figures and these are people you know who are creative in the sciences 
or even you know even solicitors and lawyers I teach I talked 90 solicitors the other week and you know for many of them it'll be the first time they've touched an art material of any kind in years and yeah. um and enabling them to you know again they all all 90 of them or whatever there was you know the whole room is full of people picking these things up and suddenly really finding themselves you know kind of um released actually and and the films they make are hilarious you know i mean there's um there are hands in them and things fall over but it doesn't matter and then it can we all share it on the big screen at the end of it so it's quite high consequence you've made these characters and in a space of a couple of hours you've made some props and each table is a you know it's a director a model maker an animator and you make credits so they can come up with a, a film studio name and a title for the film and uh-huh. sometimes they'll add sound to it in that time as well and then you share it with your phone onto a big screen and it's put there in front of everybody but nobody's got the fear of it everybody laughs at it because it's so silly and none of it matters you're not being graded on it it's just yeah. a thing and you just learned the process and that's it. And they go away and some will pick that up again and maybe play with it with their kids or use it themselves. And others may never do it again, but it's that release, I think, which is important. Oh, it is that release, isn't it? It's just creativity has such a wonderful way of, of, of doing that for the soul, doesn't it really? It yeah. kind of soothes, it soothes the soul. Well, I think um, even, if I, even if I can't, Something you know, I'm not always that creative. It, it always sounds like I'm, you know, doing stuff all the time. And um, there are large amounts of time where I will just watch um, the Bake Off or, you know, absorb television for hours and hours on end. Um, but enabling others is massively freeing as well, and that unlocks things in your own brain as mm-hmm. well. Being an enabler, um, sometimes to actually the point where you don't feel the need to actually create everything because you've enabled another ninety people. Or was it yesterday? We made one hundred and eighty grommets. So you know, there's 180 people out there who've made something who've never made a grommet in their lives are out there now with a you know quite misshapen grommet often but recognisably grommet out there. So um yeah, and that's quite a fulfilling thing in itself. So I've kind of scratched an itch, even though I'm making the same character over and over and over again, thousands of times sometimes, which is more than I care to think about. But um there's that having released other people is rather is rather lovely and that's creatively satisfying in itself even if i feel dead inside about the thing i've made um and i could happily just punch it in the face and put it in the bin and that'll be that'll be it you know i I could happily just squash them and it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter um for the others for those people involved that's been massively enabling and um that's a thrill in itself actually that's really nice on on that theme have you got any you got any workshops coming up anything that people come and see you how do people contact you how to, how do how do the listeners get more gym parking in their life <laughs> how can well, they how can they access this this drug <laughs> this gateway drug how yeah. can they access it well, um uh you'll find me on on instagram um and that's probably the easiest way i'm, I'm much more responsive on instagram than anything else um i have got a website it's gymparking.com p-a-r-k-y-n obviously very important the why in it um and uh, yeah people are very welcome to get in touch um at the moment i am where am i going it's a little quiet at the moment um i'm doing some corporate team building bits and pieces i'm not sure there are many publicly available workshops but if you wanted me to come to your workplace or um 
or you know if you want to have a go my instagram is full of um i did a thing i didn't say to you before did i um <laughs> over lockdown uh in a response to covid i did you know the um what did i call it now i've forgot the name of it essentially it was an hour every day of um of of creativity and people could suggest animals and objects that people could make community clay time there it is oh. brain would catch up with it and at 3 p.m it was at, uh, up to six days a week at one point and it, one day it would be um a granddad <laughs> another day it would be booze bottles or it would be dinosaurs or chickens and uh, sometimes freddie mercury was one of them which was a high consequence thing trying to make something without practicing it on air on instagram live for an hour that ends up looking like freddie mercury it was quite a, a high pressured thing um <laughs> yeah and people would suggest things and then we'd pick it out the goldfish bowl and there are all the videos of that are available for you to watch um on the instagram as well so there's there's about a hundred of them on there nearly so um so that's what i did over covid was spent that time um every day playing and not having that release uh, to do it in the real world having a community that i could share with and actually people would some people would eat their lunch and just listen to it other people would get involved and make along <laughs> and share their pictures um and that was great actually and i um it's wrong to say that i miss covid but uh that time was really golden it's quite a halcyon yeah. type of creativity for me in the time that could have been really um kind of stifling actually i found creative freedom in that oh, jim it's been an absolute pleasure as always talking with you today and uh as i mentioned uh before we start recording if you're in the in ever in the need of some asmr jim is is your guy and watch those videos they were they were soothe you <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for spending the time to talk to me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Just one more thing before you go. As we move into the final stretch of winter, it's important to take a moment and to reflect on our lives. Sometimes life can feel overwhelming and it can be challenging to find the time and the space to think. That's why I'm offering a unique opportunity to support you through this time. From now until March the 21st, you have a chance to book three one-hour coaching sessions with me. And the best part? You can pay what you can for these sessions. This is your chance to dedicate three hours of your time to thinking, reflecting and growing. If you're interested, I would love to schedule a free 20-minute consultation with you. During this time, we'll get to know each other and see how coaching in the thinking environment could benefit you. Simply visit my website, katiefisher.com forward slash coaching for more information and to book your consultation. Don't let the challenges of winter hold you back. Take this opportunity to invest in yourself and start the new season feeling refreshed and rejuvenated.